WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosie. It's such a fine line between stupid and and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosie. Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocy, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosi. The show is available as a podcast, and it's also available on iTunes. A little later on in the show, we will hear an interview done by uh, film sociology correspondent McKenna Mays. She'll be chatting with Greg Sorvig, the director of film programming for Heartland Film. So that'll be a little bit later on. I usually have Greg on for the film festival. I have to, this is a reminder, I can have him on any time of the year. Um, there are just certain guests that are like that. So anyway, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But one of the big films of 2018 opened this week, and I believe nothing else is opening up against it, and probably why would they? Uh, one of the more anticipated films, as I said, and it's uh, anticipated in the Marvel Universe, Black Panther. This is, of course, uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, as the title role. Uh, supported by Michael B. Jordan, Lapita Nyong'o, Martin Freeman, Danielle Kaluuya, uh, Forrest Whitaker, Andy Serkis. You get to see him in this one, Angela Bassett, and a slew of others. And it's uh, co-written and directed by Ryan Coogler, who has already established himself with Fruitvale Station and Creed. So he's worked with uh, Mr. Jordan on a couple times. Think about this with Chadwick Boseman. He has played James Brown, Jackie Robinson... Thurgood Marshall, and now Black Panther. And he's not 40 yet. That's really cool. Um, this is set in, the, uh, in, a, in a, the, the nation of Wakanda, which is, uh, if, as you watch the film, it's a mixture of something old and something new. I've said that before. Of uh, you know, African landscape along with really cool technology. And uh, the, the Chadwick Boseman character, Chala, is supposed to be the next king, and uh, but uh, the Michael B. Jordan character has some other plans with that uh, with that kingdom in mind. This is the most Shakespearean superhero film since the first Thor, because of you know power, betrayal, family secrets. All of this is a part of that. Um, the film looks great, as I said. There's there's beautiful costumes. I mean, it's a it's a combination of traditional African garb, and CG stuff. Um, Overall, it's about uh, maybe two hours, 15 minutes. Some of the action scenes are a little scattered, but a solid solid, uh, roster of performances. Shadrick Boseman has a nice leisure to him. The film is funny without being jokey, and unless you're Tony Stark, 
a lot of the humor at times feels forced. That's not the, that is not the case here. Um, Scott, I saw it in 3D, not necessarily needed in 3D. The fight scenes, there's a couple of two-man two fight scenes that are really fun to watch. There's also a mixture of CG action along with uh, basically folks fighting with sticks. And, yes, armored rhinoceroses. So... It is a it is a lot of fun, not heavy, not too heavy handed, uh, again, not too sticky, um, and it's a really good standalone. I have a I have a daughter at home that is worried that she has to watch the entire Marvel Universe uh, filmography, even though she did enjoy Deadpool and Doctor Strange, and it's in that category. So yes, uh, people from this film are going to wind up in the uh, Infinity Civil whatever all the you know the, the big the big giant battle royal Marvel films. Of course, and they already have in previous, uh, but you can enjoy this one in and of itself, and uh, it's it's a good, really good, not necessarily great, but a really good uh, action film worth checking out. So that is in that's the big title in theaters uh, down at IU Cinema. Again, depending on when you're listening to this show, if you can make it at 3 o'clock on Saturday, the Charlie Chaplin masterpiece City Lights from 1931, the 1972 documentary A Sense of Loss at 7 o'clock, Sunday the 18th, the 2012 documentary Sweet Dreams at 3 o'clock, and Jodie Foster in Contact at 6.30 p.m. A lot of mansplaining in this film, directed by Bob Zemeckis. Uh, Monday the 19th, by the time it goes dark at 7 p.m., on Thursday the 22nd, Our Heavenly Bodies with live music by Coupler, the 1925 film, uh, at 7 o'clock. Friday the 23rd, the 2017 drama Zama at 6.30 p.m. And the 1969 film Change of Mind at 9.30 p.m. And then Saturday the 24th of February at 3 o'clock, Robert Altman's Nashville at 3 o'clock and Zama at 7 p.m. And also mark your calendars Monday, February 26th at 3 p.m. as a part of the Monday Matinees Classics, uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So you can see Brick, not closeted in this one. Well, it's implied a little bit, but not enough. But uh, really good performances from Paul Newman and Elizabeth Taylor. Okay, over at the Historic Artcraft Theater, and uh, on uh, Friday and Saturday, the 23rd and 24th, 2 and 7.30 p.m., the first Shrek. And then Friday and Saturday, March 2nd and 3rd, Fridays at 7.30 p.m., Saturday at 2.30, 5, and 7.30 p.m., the Best of the Fest, the Heartland International Film Festival, Best of the Fest. You'll hear a little bit more of this with McKenna and Greg in a little bit. New on DVD and Blu-ray this week, new on home video this week, uh, a film that received an Academy Award nomination, another film that became a kind of a surprise minor hit, um, as well it should. Anyway, uh, but the one of the titles that the title it is on video with an Academy Award nomination, Roman J. Israel Esquire. This is the one that has Denzel Washington uh, uh, nominated for Best Actor, written and directed by Dan Gilroy. Denzel plays uh, a defense attorney who's great in the office, not so great in the courtroom. And uh, a series of events, including the, the main, uh, main uh, head of the firm, of his law firm, who uh, winds up getting uh, into the hospital, who's hospitalized. And not only does Israel have to go to court, but also do some other, uh, other, other things that will lead to a, an ethical crossroads for, uh, for Denzel's character. As I said, it's written and directed by Dan Gilroy, who has written, uh, he received an Academy Award nomination for Nightcrawler. Also directed that. That's the one with Jake Gyllenhaal, another ethical dilemma film. Uh, but he also wrote Two for the Money, Real Steel, uh, Kong Skull Island, The Bourne Legacy, <clears throat> and The Fall. And uh, what this film does as far as the ethical and moral dilemmas does a good job. Um, Denzel winds up working under the, under the guidance of Colin Farrell, another, another high-profile lawyer, who's a little cleaner, a little slicker, um, and they kind of ruffle feathers a little bit. But anyway, you have to see the rest of it to, to get through that. I think one of the reasons why Denzel got this got a nomination for this performance, mm, partially because he was going against type. Um, he plays a, a very eccentric, 
uh, introverted character with, although outspoken in court, uh, listening to headphones constantly. Um, not the cleanest afro in the world, not the greatest clothes in the world, huge glasses. So it's, it's kind of Denzel's version of uh, de-glamorizing himself, uh, a bit of a paunch. And uh, it's also a, char- a character he's not played before, very twitchy, very on edge at times. And uh, I think because of the bells and whistles of twitching and, and quirks, um, probably because for me, I, I, I wouldn't have nominated him. I would have put Harry Dean Stanton in his spot. And I still think Harry Dean Stanton should have been nominated and should have won. But it's something different from Denzel. And, uh, and bully for him on that. I know I, this show has chewed him out for um, doing a lot of action movies and getting a lot of money for his charm and demeanor. And then hearing within the last couple of years that he wants to produce all of the uh, August Wilson plays in, onto film. And then doing a great job directing and starring in the film version of Fences. So if this leads to more items like that, I'm all for it. So uh, a, a good film. Also uh, also on video this week, Wonder. Uh, this is the film that makes you believe that Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson are a couple, as we joked about at my house, but there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but this is a boy, the uh, young boy who uh, goes into, po- after being homeschooled his whole life, goes into school for fifth grade. He has uh, facial differences. He had a slew of uh, surgeries growing up. And we all know how cruel kids can be. And that's what he has to deal with. So... <clears throat> Nice performance by Jacob Tremblay in the, in, as, as the boy. Uh, appeared, uh, he was the, uh, the kid in Room. Uh, the, the, yes, that one. And um, it, it gave me a lot of flashbacks of MASH, or not MASH, of Mask, uh, the Eric Stoltz film with Peter Bogdanovich, Cher, and Sam Elliott. Sim- it, it almost feels like a prequel if, uh, if the kid's parents were instead Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson and not Cher as a biker mom with an addiction problem. Um, as my family was watching this, we've seen films like this before where you have to overcome a physical, uh, physical setback of one way, shape or form. Although the kid is fine. He's also very, very smart. So it's breaking barriers, making friends, dealing with bullies. We've seen this material before, but what I didn't know about, um, uh, what I didn't know about the story itself, and I believe it is based on a novel, is that we get the child experience, this boy's experience, Augie's experience, from different points of view, from the older sister. Now, normally when you have a uh, a family film like this, the the little kid is the main focal point. The parents are kind of punchlines. The older siblings are usually eye-rolling and, and clueless or self-centered. And it feels like that early on, but it winds up expanding, and we get the points of view from a friend that he makes in early in school, his sister, and other characters. So that makes it different. Um, the film was co-written and directed by Stephen Chobs, uh, Chabosky, hope I'm saying that right, best known for writing and directing The Perks of Being a Wallflower. He also did the screenplay for The Last Beauty and the Beast. So it's, it's familiar territory, nicely stated, underplayed performances by Julia Roberts. Julia, Julia gets to be the, the, the concerned mom, not, although not too overly protective. Um, over, By the way, gang, I think it's about two-thirds of the way through the film before she finally lets her hair down and we get Julia Roberts' hair. Uh, Owen Wilson gets to be the jokey dad to try to lighten tension at home. Manny Patinkin is in the film as one of the parents, or actually one of the teachers, I should say. I haven't had my coffee. And as, uh, as my daughter pointed out, uh, David Diggs of Hamilton fame is in the film as well. So, a uh, good one to watch with the whole family. Uh, a couple other Blu-ray titles. Um, Criterion has finally put out on Blu-ray Silence of the Lambs. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you can own on Criterion Blu-ray Night of the Living Dead. So, after this, I don't think you have to buy Night of the Living Dead ever again. Uh, also, George Romero's Eaten Alive, as well as The Ballad of Lefty Brown. That's with Bill Pullman. And it's the story of what happens if the sidekick in the traditional Western movie has to become the hero. All of those are on video. Go check those out. All right. I want to uh, pay tribute to a couple of dead people we like because we never have time for dead people we don't like. And I didn't get a chance to get to this last week, so I apologize. But actor John Mahoney passed away last week. And, uh, of course, yes, best known for playing the dad on Frasier. 
and appearing in, my goodness, going all the way back to films like Code of Silence, Streets of Gold, Tin Men, um, Moonstruck, Suspect, Eight Men Out, another, well, of course, shot here in Indianapolis, uh, The Russia House, The Dad and Say Anything, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, of course, the W.P. Mayhew and Barton Fink, uh, In the Line of Fire, Hudsucker Proxy, Reality Bites, Primal Fear, the uh, one of the voices in Ants and the Iron Giant, and uh, among others. So, obviously best known as Martin Crane. Fun to know that he actually was born in England, which adds even more to his mystique of playing the blue-collar, beer-chugging dad of, of uh, Fraser and Niles Crane. But... Uh, and I, I need to revisit Say Anything again, because I think all I know of that is uh, John Cusack's a little stocky, and yeah, yeah, the scene with the uh, with the boombox. But I think what I remember besides that is if it weren't for John Mahoney and that side plot about the, the girl and her dad, without John Mahoney, I think Say Anything is just another John Hughes film. So I need I need to go through that again and verify. And then uh, we want to salute uh, Johan Johansson, the Icelandic uh, film score composer who passed away on February 9th, received two Academy Award nominations for Sicario as well as The Theory of Everything. Um, that's right. And other films of note uh, kind of got noticed in the States in 2013 for doing uh, Prisoners, uh, but also, as I mentioned, Sicario. Arrival, um, and and the film Mandy, which comes out in 2018, as well as the film In the Blood. So, uh, good good soundtracks. Just check them out. You you definitely should. Um, all right, catching up on films that have been sent to me. I'm gonna get caught up one of these days. It's a never ending process. Um, this one, courtesy a uh, couple actually, courtesy of Film Movement. After the Hunger Games and Divergent, and The Maze Runner. And I haven't even seen all of these, but I, I've had more than had my fill of dystopian films. And I, yeah, I know we're living in those times, and these are going to be very popular in lieu of the, uh, the, the, the everyday climate. But there's another one that came out on a film movement uh, called The White King, and it's a story of a young man who's got a... who growing up in a dictatorship, his dad is taken away to prison, and... Just he and his mother trying to survive. A couple actors of note, Jonathan Price, Greta Scacchi, uh, Fiona Shaw are in this. Um, it's a low-budget film, but it's smartly shot that way. Um, it's maintained to a couple of different locations, especially out in the uh, out in the woods. So it has a good look to it, but it's a story I've I've seen time and time again, and it's almost like if you picked if you combined hope and glory with uh, Hunger Games or Divergent or Maze Runner. So, however, on the flip side, a really fun film from the Caribbean, actually the uh, Caribbean, the Columbia portion of the Caribbean, a film called Bad Lucky Goat, and it's a story of uh, an inspiring young musician who. Uh, with his uh, overbearing older sister, they wind up accidentally running over a goat, which causes a series of bad luck events. Um, except for the goat, except for the dead goat part, uh, this has the feeling on paper as a as a Disney film. But we also have um, the goat's owner, uh, some questionable businessmen um, dealing with what happens when you wreck your dad's car and, and then also the brother sister relationship. It's, it's short at 76 minutes and it has great footage of Columbia's Caribbean coast. Um, and then, uh, it's, it's funny at times. They, I mean, it's, it's, it's supposed to be a comedy. Um, I think I smiled more when I laughed, but it's, it's a well done, different offbeat family film, which is what we look for. And, yeah, there's involving a dead goat carcass, and it's not Weekend at Bernie's. Also, on video now, and uh, this is from uh, director Hal Roach and Hal Roach Jr., the only time they work together, I believe. And it's the film One Million B.C. No, not the one with Raquel Welch. That's One Million Years B.C. That was a remake of this 1940s film, called 1 Million B.C., with Victor Mature, Carol Landis, Lon Chaney Jr. And the film received a couple of Academy Award nominations, one for uh, visual effects, 
uh, special effects, I should say, um, and one for its score. And it's basically the story, prehistoric story uh, of a prehistoric family dealing, uh, trying to be a family, dealing with neighbors that you don't like, and dealing with the giant creatures that roamed the uh, the earth at that time. We have to remember that in 1940, the technology for split screen or meshing of uh, you know you have a you have a, a regular sized human up against a screen with a giant lizard, among other things, or whatever armor they can put on reptiles to pose as prehistoric creatures. And that's stuff we kind of made fun of in the 50s and 60s, especially with Mystery Science Theater, especially really bad uh, technology, you know, bad special effects at that time. Um, but for 1940, pretty good. And yeah, there's a few moments that we chuckle, but, uh, but in the historical context, it works. Now, with all that in mind, I know I brought up before Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, but I actually went through and watched the special features. There is a commentary track. With uh, with the with the writer and director and the writer and and one of the stars, as well as another creator, um, they don't take themselves too seriously in the commentary track, and that's okay. There's also uh, where they now segment with some of the actors. I I might there's there's an off chance, ladies and gentlemen, that I might get one of the actors from this film on film sociology. There's a cliffhanger for you, so uh, stay tuned. But. Uh, but there's and as well as the impact uh, that the film had uh, for its time, because this was before Airplane, and, and I think I said about previous shows, this is this feels like the uh, a Kentucky Fried movie sketch, only it's 87 minutes long. I think if it were 70 minutes, it'd be even funnier. But it's for what it is, you're not you're not going to get a Bergman or Fellini film with a film like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It makes fun of the 50s. Attack of the Killer, fill in the blanks, and the Godzilla movies, and the King and the King Kong knockoffs. So it makes one of all of those uh, in a in a PG way. So, and I have it on Blu-ray, so I like that. All right, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back to, after the break, McKenna Mays is going to talk to Greg Sorvig, the director of film programming for Heartland Film. So you don't want to miss that. Stick around. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. on WFYI. And yes, very soon we will get to my Oscar picks. It'll be the weekend before. Thanks, Doug. Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Socey. Okay, McKenna Mays, the uh, student correspondent my intern here at Film Sociology this semester, recently sat down with Greg Sorvig, the director of film programming for Heartland Film, to talk about, well, there's an event coming up at the uh, Art Craft Theater, which we talked about before, as well as the festival in general and the organization in general. Enjoy. All right. Can you tell me a little bit about Heartland Film? Yeah, Heartland Film is a nonprofit arts organization, been around now um, 27 years, so founded in 1991. Our mission is to inspire filmmakers and audiences through the transformative power of film. So what that means, we really provide movie-going experiences from the Heartland International Film Festival, New Indie Shorts, all short film film festival, cultural journey and other events, um, and an industry award called the Truly Moving Picture Award that really tells viewers, hey, this is a cool movie you should check out. And Heartland International Film Festival is kind of like your big event in October, but um, do you have anything coming up soon? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I know you're from Franklin, so uh, we have Best of the Fest down at the Historic Art Craft Theater. Uh, we've come on and really, we've had a great partnership with them over the years, but basically we show about four festival favorites every year. So we have a movie called The Storyteller, which was an Indiana Spotlight Audience Choice Award winner. Um, they have this cool Cartoons for Cans promotion where they show old Looney Tunes cartoons. We thought, hey, let's let's ride that train. So we're showing some kids' shorts, um, doing the unimaginable journey of Peter Ertel, um, who's about this guy in World War II who kind of had a fight on the side of Hitler for a little bit. It's a really fascinating story. And our Audience Choice Award winning fam- film called I'll Push You. And then after that, in April, we have uh, an event called Cultural Journey Mexico, which is four days of culture, cuisine, and cinema of a respective country. Last year we did India. Now we're going to Mexico, and it's a great way to give a movie-going experience to a certain community who maybe doesn't feel represented in anything else that's going on in town. Okay, and um, the film festival in general, how would you kind of describe it to somebody who's never been there? It's an amazing experience, and it makes you appreciate um, kind of the, the stream of content that we have out there now, meaning there's so much stuff you can watch and look at. But, hey, you can go refocus this with other film lovers. You meet people in the industry, the filmmakers who make these films. You might see some big stars like Robert Downey Jr., Rob Reiner. But you're going to see some fantastic movies in network. Pretty much just like going to a film school um, over a course of 10 days, 11 days, and just having a great time. A lot of good – even if you don't like movies, you can come and socialize, enjoy Sun King beer. There's something for everyone. Okay. And um, it's your 27th anniversary. Um, are you doing anything special for that? Um, at this point, well, the neat thing is that we expanded to an all-new shorts festival, which will be in July 27th, um, 26th through the 29th, excuse me, at Newfields. So basically, imagine like the claw machine. We just took all the short film content from the main festival and moved it over to the shorts fest. Um, so all the same um, awards will be there. We're an Oscar-qualifying film festival. So whoever wins our narrative short from Indie Shorts uh, will get Oscar qualification for the next year's Oscars. And then all of the winners will play again at the main festival in October. Okay. And you've actually expanded this to high schools, correct? Yeah, we've had the high school film competition. I believe it's in its eighth year at this point. And um, our pride and joy, I'll say at this point, her name is Carol. She won our high school film competition two out of three times. And she was, in, the, I think, in the competition three years. She's gone on. She was actually a juror for us for the high school competition last year. She was chosen of one of just a couple dozen students for the Sundance Ignite program. And she was featured as a young female filmmaker in uh, Toronto International Film Festival's last um, event as well. So she's going places, and it's neat to say that she got her start at Heartland. So, yeah, anybody who has a high school film, um, you can win these prizes. We have an Indiana Doc narrative winner and worldwide um, Doc narrative winner, and they compete for the grand prize. Um, what is the submission process for anybody who would want to enter the film festival? Yeah, um, we try to streamline it this year. We have um, exclusively take submissions through an online portal called filmfreeway.com. So if you have a feature film, 41 minutes plus, you submit to Heartland International Film Festival at filmfreeway.com. If it's 40 minutes or under, it's a, considered a short film and that will be um, submitted via Film Freeway for the Indie Shorts Fest. But, yeah, we have early bird deadlines, so the less time or less you procrastinate, the more money you save. Mm-hmm. And if I really like you or you come from a country with no money or something like that, um, I take pity on you and I might give you a waiver or something like that. So. Okay. And um, have there any bit – like, you've been involved in, in this in a while. Have there been any kind of, like, standout or notable films or shorts? Do you have any favorites? Yeah, I'll tell you. So um, I'm the director of film programming, but I'll give mad props to Abby Specht. Um, on staff. She's our head shorts programmer and Julie Landrum has been an amazing volunteer programmer as well too but it seems like every year we average about three Oscar nominated short films which is crazy and you just never know. They just come organically through the process. Um, A lot of the film festivals might curate content or see something and say hey we want that but over 90% of our films come from this organic process through Film Freeway and that kind of stuff too. Um, Of course you love meeting the celebrities and stuff. I remember an instance when I was backstage with a book thief with uh, Oscar winner Jeffrey Rush. Um, I asked him how many times he'd seen himself in animatronic form since he added him to Pirates of the Caribbean at Disney World and Disneyland. He said only once, but he's excited maybe someday that uh, his grandkids will still be able to to see him and stuff too. Robert Downey Jr. was a super nice guy. Um, We were about the same height, so that makes me feel excited about my prospects for the future. I could be Iron Man someday. Who knows when he... Um, retires, I can step into his shoes for the Iron Man 28, you know, 28 or whatever it is at that point, too. 
Um, Rob Reiner was fantastic. He's been at the the festival twice now, but he came last year with LBJ. We did a anniversary screening of the Princess Bride, the Stand by Me. He is he is the person you see is who you get, and that's something that Hollywood and celebrities don't have a rap for. Um, it's all about kind of PR and maybe your persona, especially now with social media and portraying yourself in a certain way. But he was he was fantastic. He's exactly who you think he'd be. And in moments like that, do you get a little starstruck? Well, I'll tell you what, I think our artistic director stepped down a few years ago and I kind of took this dual role. And the first person, my first event after that was being on stage with Jessica Biel. Um, and it's just, it feels like any nerves that I had, and that's kind of neat taking the training wheels off over the years, it just went out the window. So honestly, no, um, I can say I don't have any nerves when it comes to that kind of stuff anymore, too. But um, but it is neat. I think it's just, it, it just it humanizes the experience that, you know, we you get starstruck as a kid. Um, I mean, I can admit I had dreams of, like, hanging out with Macaulay Culkin back when Home Alone was cool, <laughs> you know, um, so it, he, just that idea of uh, uh, idolizing somebody, it just it, it, it makes it feel like, hey, these are just, just people, and you can meet them here. They want to come to Indiana and check out uh, what we have to offer and share the movies with audiences. Mm-hmm. And how did you originally get involved with film? Well, I went to um, IU for um, communication and culture, um, which was essentially their film studies uh, program back in the day. Now they, it seems like after I leave, all this cool stuff happens. They have the IU Cinema, which they debuted a, a couple of years after I left, which is amazing. Definitely go down there and check out IU Cinema. John Vickers, founding director, some of my favorite uh, people out there, too. Um, but And then the media school is now, too, and I'm fortunate to be on their alumni board. But basically they have these amazing state-of-the-art facilities for everything from production to um, film studies and everything else, too. So that is fantastic. But I went to IU, didn't think I'd do anything film-related necessarily with this degree. Um, and so after working a couple different jobs, interned at Disney a few times, fell into graphic design, worked kind of worked for the man for a while, if you will, knew I didn't want to do that. Um, I signed up to be volunteer at Heartland and met somebody at a community screening, and it went from there. I think a lot of the people on staff either started out as volunteers or seasonals or um, and had that passion for film in some capacity. So I was a narrative film reviewer um, as a volunteer screener and stuff, too, to begin with. And it sounds very romantic, but it's like panning for gold. You are sipping for gold. And out of these thousands of movies, you're not going to find a lot of uh, gold nuggets on the top layer, if you will, and stuff, too. So, um, I, you know, doing that and having to step down was, you know, I'll say unfortunate. <laughs> not, I, I was kind of <laughs> relieved, hey, I'm not at this top level anymore, too. But, yeah, we have over 60 people that watch the films to begin with, and it goes through the kind of this tiered system. And then uh, I would say more at the top of the pyramid, uh, upside-down pyramid, if you will. So as we sift for gold, hopefully I'll get more of the either the fool's gold or the real stuff, and I'll ultimately make the decision. But it's a, it's a long process as well. But we're really fortunate to have dedicated people who are watching these films and um, we guarantee filmmakers we actually watch a movie all the way through, and we'll give you feedback even if you don't make it in. Okay. And for people who don't go to, to the actual film festival, is there any way for them to watch these films after? That's kind of the predicament. You know, I think a lot of these films people have never heard of, and then after an independent film, this might be your only time to see the movie. This is this is really the theatrical run for many of these films. Um, as, a, I guess, a higher-level indie, it might hit something like a landmark or something, but that's not that many movies that come through. So uh, festivals are these films' um, distribution model for the most part, too. But if a film is lucky enough to make it to the next level, especially with VOD and everything now, it's much easier for a lot of these films to get out in some capacity. But check our website. We have a monthly um, newsletter. We'll actually send you updates. We won't harass you and send you like a daily email and that kind of stuff, too. But, yeah, we let people know uh, what's going on as well. We have events throughout the year that we might do a special screening of a film, like going to the Art Craft for Best of the Fest, something like that, too. But, yeah, go to heartlandfilm.org, check out our calendar, um, sign up for emails. We always let people know they can see these again. But it might be never. A film might never get released. It might be three years. But, anyway, we try to let people know about that for sure. And do you consider yourself much of a film buff? Oh, definitely. I think um, I think you really have to be in this area, too. That's why... I transitioned. I used to be the um, director of marketing and then kind of took a dual role, so now I focus primarily on film programming. So, yeah, if you want to talk about silent film, you want to do all that kind of pretentious film nerd stuff, (laughs) I'll be glad to do that. But, yeah, I definitely love um, cinema from the early days up to now. And, yeah, I just love following up with a lot of the kind of the news and especially the independent world. 
and seeing that really the dichotomy really changed now with all these different streaming services and the availability of film and um, it's just it's just really neat. So yeah, definitely consider myself a film buff. Have you seen anything lately that you've enjoyed? Yeah, actually, um, I'm trying to think. I always keep up with all the Oscar stuff every year too. So I only have Call Me by Your Name left to see for the Best Picture. Um, but I saw the post most recently this weekend. Um, I have movie pass, so I have a two-year-old, so it's called Greg trying to stay up late for a 10 o'clock screening using movie pass is what how it usually goes about. So um, I try to do 10.30 Thor Ragnarok, and that I admit I fell asleep in the middle. Not that it was a bad movie, but this guy's trying to push himself too hard sometimes. Uh, but I saw that, and then we have an uh, award called the Truly Moving Picture Award we give to studio films as well. Um, we don't disclose because film doesn't get an award, but we, um, I guess I can say this now, uh, but we saw a movie, Lean on Pete, which was um, from A24, and that just did get our award as well, too. And it's almost um, Steve Buscemi's in this film as well. Um, it's based on a, a book about this um, boy who's about 15, and he comes from a home where his mom left, um, his dad, something tragic happens, I won't go into it in the interview here and stuff, too. But basically, it's this coming-of-age story, but it's rated R as well. So you're like, okay, so coming-of-age R-rated story, but it involves this horse. I mean, um, he likes to run, and he comes by um, this kind of a horse racing place near Portland, Oregon, where the family's kind of relocated and stuff, and it kind of goes from there. And I call it almost like this picaresque Amer piece of Americana. Um, and if you liked, A24 puts out amazing stuff. And if you liked the Florida Project, um, there, there was kind of some echoes of that in this project too but I love that movie as well um, but yeah I think out of the other movies that I've seen recently too um, I really loved uh, Phantom Thread I th think a lot about Paul Thomas Anderson I think he always dips into the human psyche and you go into places that you would never expect and I think it's funny talking about movies with my father-in-law he's like oh the movie about the fashion designer you're like okay if you're going <laughs> to try to limit a Paul Thomas Anderson movie by just the basic synopsis or who what a character does you're really uh, missing out on an experience and stuff, too. But, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, I'm not sold that he's never going to act again, but I love absolutely everything that, that he does as well. So that was neat to see that, um, and the score was amazing, too. Um, yeah, so I'll keep going if you like, but that's those are some of the most <laughs> recent movies that I've seen. And I watched Citizen Kane last night, so if you want to talk about being nerd, you know, you know <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think the last time I saw Citizen Kane was in my high school film studies class. Yeah, you know yeah. what? You see a lot of these movies, and I think you're forced to appreciate them at an early age. Mm -hmm. And I think now that you can kind of go back and appreciate that. And as someone who has, aspires to make movies myself at some point in time, I like to write on the side and stuff too. Um, I'm very visual. So there's certain – I mean, this is what a lot of directors do. You kind of pick and choose scenes or things that you like from different movies and almost make mental notes of that. So – there are a couple of things that have st stuck with me, especially in Citizen Kane, some camera shots and stuff too, especially in the office when they um, went, like they, they dug into the ground. So you had that really low angle shot going up too. And that's, you don't see that a lot now necessarily, but that was, that was really, really um, impactful for me. So, hey, if you, you know, you'll go back to this interview someday and it's like, hey, Greg talked about that cool shot for Citizen Kane. It's in his Oscar winning movie. So. Who knows? Started here. <laughs> um, yeah. Just final question really quick. I want to shift back to the film festival. Um, for anyone who would want to submit a film, um, what's the deadline for 2018? So Indie Shorts deadline is going to be um, late. Um, April is the super final deadline for that. And then um, middle of June is the super final deadline as well for that too. But again, it's a tiered system um, as well for dates. So um, if you want to get it in a couple months before that, that would be great. Um, but we also have, you know, we have filmmakers from high school filmmakers. We have Indiana filmmakers, too. We have an award called Indiana Spotlight. So it used to be just one award for the fest, but now since we have one for the Shorts Fest and Indie Shorts, um, that means we're going to highlight somebody who has a short film who's an Indiana filmmaker and then in the Feature Fest as well. And actually something cool that I can announce now, um, we have that award, the Truly Moving Picture Award, and usually at the festival we have some kind of neat premieres. Indiana that no one's seen like this year we had Breed thank you for your service some kind of bigger Hollywood titles we're actually going to be putting a $10,000 prize on that so we're trying to bring more of the industry here to Indy um, and really make an event and make sure mo more people come here and they're part of this um, and we're in a very cool spot I think right after Toronto so um, a lot of the times these movies that come straight out of Toronto we could be the second or third stop um, it's been the case for Room and 
um, some of these other big movies that breathe as well. So we're really excited for that. So expect just more industry and kind of cool people coming to the festival for sure. Film sociology correspondent McKenna Mays with Greg Sorvig, the director of film programming for Heartland Film. Just a reminder, March 2nd and 3rd is the Heartland Film Fest Best of the Fest. You can go to historicartcrafttheater.org for more information. And mark your calendars, March 9th and 10th, Pretty in Pink, 16th and 17th, Anatomy of a Murder, 23rd and 24th, The Neverending Story, April 6th and 7th, All About Eve, 13th and 14th, Napoleon Dynamite, Friday the 20th at 7.30 p.m. is the um, Real Women Vintage Wine Series with Bridget Jones' Diary. Saturday, April 21st, the Cartoons for Cans fundraiser of Saturday the 21st at 7.30 p.m., the Brew and View event of National Lampoon's Vacation. April 27th and 28th, the Iron Giant. May 4th and 5th, Back to the Future Part 2. May 11th and 12th. The Wizard of Oz, May 18th and 19th, West Side Story, and May 25th and 26th, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Once again, historicartcrafttheater.org. Okay, I recently uh, shared these uh, couple interviews that I did uh, with McKenna as a part of what to do and what not to do in reporting. I think you've heard these before, but let's dip into the archives. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Padma. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're hanging here in Indianapolis. I'm good. I'm good. We're just, um, we're sitting here drinking up some coffee. <laughs> Very happy, jittery people. Well, that's good to know. When it, when it comes to summer, what it, what is the first uh, dish that you think of? Well, you know, I think there's nothing so classic in summer as ice cream. And I'm going to show you how to dress up ice cream and make it into a fabulous dessert and give your guests a coffee all rolled into one. And the recipe is so easy, but if you don't write it down, it's on Nespresso.com. Basically, Nespresso makes these great espresso machines. Their coffee machines are renowned all over the world. And um, they basically have a pixie machine, which is the one I love. It comes in a lot of colors. You pop the little capsule of coffee in the best possible coffee. You make the espresso. You just take a beautiful, simple scoop of vanilla ice cream, put it in a coffee cup, pour the espresso hot over it, sprinkle some chocolate chips, and drizzle some caramel sauce. That is it. You could add nuts. You could add cinnamon. You know, you could add peanut butter chips. But that's the basic recipe. And again, if you're Viewers are, you know, sorry, if your listeners are driving or whatever, it's on the website. Go to Nespresso.com. Sounds like a good movie treat as well. It's awesome, honestly. It, you know, they have this beautiful um, milk machine called the Arachino, and it's basically you just plug it in, and it steams up the milk and gives you that foam, just like those high-end, uh, you know, coffee bars all across Italy and Switzerland and France. It foams everything up. It steams the milk in one second. It's beautiful. Actually, probably about 30 seconds, but it's so easy to do. Well, can you tell us a little bit of uh, what's in store for season 10 of Top Chef? Well, we haven't filmed it yet, so there's not much I can tell you. We're in pre-production right now. I think we're just all racking our brains and figuring out how we're going to top Texas from last last season. I mean, we had such an incredible, incredible season, and and we're just gearing to shoot. It'll probably be on the fall. And I think we're trying to shake it up again. I think you'll see a lot of surprises. I mean, you know, Charlie Theron and Patti LaBelle were on last season. So who knows who they'll come up with this season. Padma, we can top Texas, Indianapolis. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> so I was curious, um, when you see somebody cooking in a movie, do you pay extra special attention to see if they're actually doing it right? You know, that's a great question. I do, actually. I'm a big freak about continuity um, because, you know, I come from theater and I've done a couple of movies, and so I can always tell when there's not continuity or when someone's phoning it in. And, like, you know that scene um, in Jerry Maguire where Renee Zellweger answers the door? Watch it. When they cut to his view, her um, necklace is tied differently. Ah, yes. <laughs> so who can, movie-wise, who can cook? You know what? Stanley Tucci can cook his face off. That is not, he is not playing. Everything in Big Night is very authentic. Great so film. So can Martin Scorsese. His first student film 
was a film about his mom's spaghetti sauce. Uh, he gave me a copy of it. It's brilliant. And didn't she do all the cooking in that one kitchen scene in Goodfellas? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incredible scene. So anytime uh, we're going to see you in a movie anytime soon? I have a couple offers, but my problem is my scheduling. You know, mm-hmm. you have to really do one thing and do it well. I, would, I haven't been in a movie since I started Top Chef five years ago. My last film was for the BBC. I would love to do another film. It just has to be the right one and, and work with the schedule, which is not always easy. I'm just thankful for my job on Top Chef at this point. Of course. Padma, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care, Matthew. All right, you too. Hey, Matthew, how you doing? All right, how are you? Bad. Good, good. I, 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 this is a film show here in Indianapolis. Uh, the, uh, it's called Film Sociology on WFYI in Indianapolis. And the first thing everybody inside my building is asking, why am I talking to you? Or actually, why are you talking to me, I guess? I heard that you're the guy that everyone wants to hang out with in Indianapolis. Oh, you're a be- that, isn't that enough? You're a better actor than you already are. <laughs> no, you have. I know you have a, it's, I believe it's the King of the Castle Home Upgrade. Yeah, it's the Dove Men Plus Care <laughs> Hair King of the Castle Home Upgrade. Basically, it's a chance for me to go into one real man's house and totally upgrade and do what I would want to do. Some fun. We've got fun prizes that we're giving away uh, and things like that. So it's going to be not just an opportunity for me to go and, and hang out with somebody at their home and consult on what we want to do, but we're going to deliver these incredible prizes, too. You mean you're going to get rid of the, uh, the, the uh, beer posters from 1983 off the walls? Well, you know, it depends. It depends what it is. Uh, I went into my brother's place one time, my older brother, and he had the Kramer up on the wall. And, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it down. It had too many fond memories for me. There, there's certain wall, wall art that I guess uh, develops character. It does. It does. <laughs> so, uh, so how can, how can uh, guys, and by the way, the, the ladies outside the window of the recording studio are waving at you, so let that be known. Tell them that I'm waving back. <laughs> oh, I will. Um, so, so how can how can guys uh, enter and get interested, and how can they get in touch with you about this? Uh, the easiest way is to go to the dovemencare.com slash king of the castle, and that's got all the details on it, or through social media as well. Um, but the uh, the best thing is, you know, people want to get in right away, so they have the opportunity to, to get the application in. We're going to pick one real man across the country, and we're going to basically go in. We'll either do a real King of the Castle upgrade and put a moat into his home with a functioning drawbridge, uh, or maybe we'll build the ultimate tree fort in the backyard so the kids have a strong place to play. Uh, or it might even be something as well. We have, we have authentic-looking British royal guards that will guard the house for a week and do a changing of the guard ceremony twice daily, things like that. So there's bizarre prizes, but all this stuff. It's going to be fun, and, and you know, we have things, too, like a, a home automation and home security system, as well as an outdoor kitchen and dining room area. So they have tons of prizes to choose from, but it's going to be an incredible experience. I'm curious, what home improvement shops have beef eater guards? <laughs> uh, only the ones that I deal with, let me tell you. <laughs> and do, uh, they have, do they have the bottles with their images on them as well? Well, it, basically, th- this is what I'm thinking. I think if somebody comes in and they choose that prize... That first of all, it I think it's something that's going to be great for somebody to brag. You know, if you think about it, you know, a guy says to a girl, "Yeah, you know, come on, come on over. You know, I've got this great place. Check it out." And she walks up, and all of a sudden, there's British royal guards there. She's going to think he's a king. So there's something going. I think it's impressive. But if you're thinking longevity and the value of the home, then you know, going with one of the other upgrades that we have that's hard value to the house, I think, is an amazing idea. Now, is there are there themes like, you know, King of Thrones or Elsinore from Hamlet or Xanadu and Citizen Kane or even the Castle Anthrax from Holy Grail? Where were you when we were doing the creative process here? <laughs> These are the ideas that I need. And if I'm only relying on Drew to help me come up with ideas, I mean, we're going to fall flat. So oh. I, I need bro- you. I need you in my camp. Brother Dig, minutes into the chat. That's great. <laughs> so uh, I guess what other home improvement tips can one give you, especially if you're, if you're in the Midwest in the fall? Are there, are there simple things about having to call in the troops that uh, folks can do around the house to make things better for the fall? Yeah, there's a lot of maintenance that we say. You always want to do your maintenance in the fall just before you get into the winter and then in the spring again before you have the warm weather come around and all, you know, um, depending on where you are, if there's, there's snow melt off and stuff like that. But the biggest thing for going in the winter is, one, you want to make sure that your furnace is functioning the most efficiently that it can. So simply just changing out filters. Um, you also want to make sure that you've got adequate insulation. 
Um, so usually say if you haven't blown in extra insulation into the attic, that's something that's very easy to, to have a company come in and do, or you can do it yourself too. Um, and then walking around and just checking the entire house for any leaks around windows, air leaks around doors, making sure all the seals are good. Um, that's the first thing that you can do. Something else that people don't realize that helps with the bills a little bit, um, you know, everyone uses their fans, their ceiling fans in the summertime. They like that cool air blowing down on them. But your ceiling fans, especially if you have tall ceilings, 10-foot ceilings or 12-foot ceilings, if you reverse them in the wintertime, they actually recirculate that hot air that's rising. They recirculate it back down to the lower areas. So you'll find that your heating bill is lower if you use your ceiling fan in reverse. But the toilet swirling, that's a different story. Yeah, if you, got, if you want your toilet to swirl the other way, you've got to go to Australia. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what, what is next for you uh, television-wise? Right now, I, first of all, I don't know what you expect of me. I already have three shows that we're doing full time, <laughs> but uh, slowly we're taking over the airwaves. We have some other exciting projects coming up in the new year. You're going to get to see inside my house for the first time. You'll see what I actually am doing. I'm doing a massive project on my house in Vegas, and uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. My favorite spaces to do are outdoor living spaces, mm -hmm. which is why with the Dove Men Plus Care one, uh, contest, I'm doing uh, the treehouse out back because I love doing outdoor spaces. It's a great way to entertain, a great way for the family to have a space so they don't have to always go out to a theme park or something. But you're going to see some pretty wild stuff there. Um, and then a lot of other projects. You know, we're doing projects with you know, companies like Funny or Die, and we're doing all these other um, digital uh, vignettes online. So you know, people can see those on HGTV.com and on our website, thebrothers.com. Okay. Some of the ladies are already asking, why isn't your house like Game of Thrones? So I'm not going to uh, – we'll just leave it at that. So. <laughs> now I have to I'll admit my it, my house when it's done it's going to be so much fun. We have everything from an, an infinity pool with a swim up bar, a water slide going around a cluster of palm trees from the second story uh, of the house, and a drive-in sized movie screen that comes up on hydraulics. So oh. if you guys are ever in Vegas, I expect <laughs> that the whole station there you're going to come in and you're going to visit. Oh, those are fatal last words, my friend. Um, <laughs> and so, actually, by the way, in, in my house, this HGTV is a station my wife has on all the time when she's working. So I think you're spending a lot of time with the misses, and I need to talk to you about that. <laughs> you know, she sounds like a very smart lady with impeccable taste. She, I call her sitcom wife, but then again, she makes fun of me when Candace and Genevieve are on, and I come screaming through the walls. So, <laughs> well, this is a, the funny thing. I laugh is when people say to me, and we'll come up, we'll do live lectures, and you know, the wife will come up, and the husband's right there, and she'll just say, "There's only one thing I want to fall asleep to in bed, and that's you." And I feel really <laughs> awkward and uncomfortable. And the husband's like, "It's true. It's true. I shouldn't have put the TV in the bedroom." Uh, this is a public station. We're not going to go there. Um, let's see. So, <laughs> movie-wise, I guess have you have you watched any movies lately? Do you get a chance to with the uh, three shows and all the stuff you got going on? I do. Um, I, I haven't seen as many movies lately as what I usually do, but I don't watch TV really. So, I the only thing I like to do is sort of go and escape and, and do film. And you know, I own a, a film production company as well. Yeah, I would say what's what's the word on that? Yeah, we actually are gearing up uh, for our first big feature film. We've done a lot of independent projects. I did a lot of short films when we were younger, um, but our first full-length feature uh, we're aiming to shoot next year, and that'll be a romantic comedy, a lot of fun. But I did, um, I did see recently, uh, is it Captain Phillips? Yes. I saw that. I, I thought it was fantastic. Tom Hanks is one of my favorite actors, and, and the way he portrays it, he just did a really great job. Uh, it's intense. It gets pretty intense. Yes, it does. But... Um, Boy, if you were rattled off some films, you know, I saw I saw some that were a little bit more controversial. I saw Don John. I, um, you know what? I, as long as you can get past the uncomfortable subject matter, I thought it was really well done. It I is, thought it was hilarious. It is a standard romantic comedy. It just happens to have a lot of online porn. That's all. <laughs> yeah, isn't that? Isn't that the sign of a true romantic comedy, though? I don't know. Yes, it is. And, uh, you know, of course, some people will say if you're, if you're dating Scarlett Johansson and you're still going online, you're an idiot. But that's, that's not <laughs> yeah. for me to say. Um, how much of the money pit is accurate, I guess, from your standpoint? Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, you, interesting you say that because I have come across some projects where it almost becomes comical how many problems we come across. And any time it's a property like that, it, usually, it was usually a previous owner was intentionally hiding the problems um, to pull the wool over your eyes, and I hate that. I, I think it's, you know, it's just a 
terrible thing to do. So I always say if you come across a problem with your home, you fix it. You don't pass the buck on to somebody else. This is your home. This is your asset. You're responsible for it. Whenever we're doing a construction job, we always have a contingency in place to cover the what-ifs. And anytime you're doing a massive renovation, it is guaranteed you will come across something that you didn't plan because you couldn't see inside the walls or something was hidden. So that's what I always recommend. Do a contingency. I never do a contingency of less than 10%. Um, if it's a known area with problems or if it's an area that you know, maybe definitely has asbestos or a knob and tube or something like that, or if it's an older home, then we bump that up. You know, I've done contingencies as big as 25% if it was an area where we knew there were definitely foundation problems and definitely plumbing issues. So it, you just have to plan ahead and be careful and never, ever operate best-case scenario when you're doing real estate investment or when you're looking to renovate. You want to operate under worst-case scenario, and then anything that's better than that is just equity in your pocket. Okay, last question. You're, what's the better twin film, Parent Trap or Dead Ringers? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd probably go with Parent Trap. I'd probably go with that. Or Twins, if oh. you want to go with the whole Danny DeVito-Arnie combo. You know, that would be comical. Thank you, Padma. Thank you, Jonathan. I, I should make a note uh, that the other film opening this weekend is the Nick Parks animated feature Early Man for you fans of Wallace and Gromit and Shaun the Sheep. Um, also, go to the Film Yap and you can check out a slew of reviews uh, and write-ups from the likes of Chris Lloyd and others. Uh, but uh, Chris Lloyd did, did a, a write-up of the 1971 Western Valdez is Coming with Burt Lancaster, Susan Clark, based on a novel by film sociology guest Elmore Leonard. Um, there's a, There are three westerns that Lancaster did in a row, 1971-1972, Lawman, Valdez is here, and Alzana's Raid. And I, I have a special place for all three of those. So kudos to Chris to uh, about discussing Valdez's coming. Hopefully we'll get him on the show soon to talk about it. Of course, Dead Man's Line, the true story of Tony Curtis. Uh, Curtis is still in uh, is out there be on the lookout for that as well um and of course the actually held up for another week and i forgot to mention this on the show last week so my apologies but the oscar nominated short films and the oscar nominated live action films animation and live action two separate packages are available at landmark theaters um that way when you watch the broadcast and you've never heard of these well now you have a chance to view all of them and what's great about these packages and the fact that we have an art house theater is that we are able to see a, in this case, a really high quality grab bag of animation and live action shorts. So uh, do yourself right and check those out. The insult course is still at Landmark Theaters. And with the exception of Dunkirk and maybe Get Out, well, you have to look, but all of the Oscar nominated films are still in theaters. So there's plenty of films out there to see. All right, ladies and gentlemen, some words to live by. Silent Green is people! Zardoz has spoken. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. There's plenty out there, from Academy Award winners to Black Panther to short films. No excuses. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan.
I can't believe you've let her watch Manos. <laughs> Is she scarred for life? Let's put it this way. What parent are you? <laughs> When I wake her up, I vocalize the theme to wake her up to get her ready to school. Oh, you're a terrible father. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, We'll do it live!